Retirement in this country is broken. We work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences along the way. There's got to be a better way. David Adams is a certified financial planner and CPA and founder of David Adams Wealth Group, an independent firm that offers securities through Raymond James Financial Services and is here to help you learn how to retire while you work and develop a different way of thinking when it comes to managing your money. Hello and welcome to this week's show of Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, and you can hear us every Sunday on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Thanks for joining. You can also go to retirewhileyouwork.com and submit your question or call us anytime at 615-435-3644. We got a great show today. We have a couple of guests here in studio. We have John Mabry, who is the manager of strategic partnerships at addiction campuses. And in our last segment today, He's going to discuss addiction recovery with an emphasis on addiction and teens of Williamson County and how this plays into financial planning and that retire while you work mindset. There's definitely a correlation. We look forward to talking to John. John, hello and welcome. Hey, thank you so much, David. Great to be here. Glad you're here. And also, we have Siobhan Farler, hey who there. is the COO of our company and also a wealth management advisor. And glad to have you here to ask some of the questions from our listeners this week. Glad to be back. We have some wonderful questions. And, and happy International Women's Day. Thank you very much. <laughs> so glad you're here. All righty. Well, so each week we do this show for one reason, and that's because we think the concept of retirement is broken in this country and the way that we all think about money and the bigger picture of life. It really needs to change. And today I would like to talk about something that we've called the fire drill, and it's a type of exercise that can be beneficial when preparing your family for life events. And last year in 2016, we did several seminars at my house, actually, and they were very powerful. We had, what, Siobhan, uh, five or six couples come? Yes, each time. Each time. And, you know, got some lunch, tried to make it a very comfortable and intimate setting where everybody could participate and speak up and not feel like it was a large seminar that was impersonal. And, you know, you can you can get on the Internet and find tips for things like this, but you're far more likely to do these things if you participate in learning and have someone you know and trust to look you in the eyes and tell you. So we felt this was very important. You know, and in the past, we tried to do things like send nice notebooks um, it, it, with nice dividers already pre-filled for clients, naively thinking that they were going to do this because we prepared this pretty little book. And we thought they would do it for the loved ones. And guess what happened it, Siobhan, I think one client. One did. client. You did know the it. client. One, one client. client. And, and my, it's a beautiful notebook. It is. And it's and it's and it's great. And it took him certainly took him a long time. But my point is that yes, we're all very busy. And the idea of taking a Saturday and pulling all this info together for that thing called your inevitable death Ooh. is anything but fun, right? Now, how does this relate to retire while you work and the mindset that we try to promote here on the show? There can be a great, great comfort knowing if something happens to you or your loved ones that you have a plan. And we've seen it so many times where one spouse is left with so much stress and so much work to figure all of this stuff out, the money stuff. Now, I know Siobhan, you've been, I can remember her very well, sweet woman's house after losing her husband to cancer. Yes. Helping her pay bills, organize drawers, look for stuff that was relevant to the finances that we could help with. Yeah, oddly enough, that's actually one of my passions is helping people through this transition of losing a loved one. I was meeting with a client earlier this week going over the exact same thing of kind of going over their plan and 
what needed to take place now that he's lost his father. That's great. And you're great at doing that. And it's certainly a blessing to the person that's in that time of need. Um, you know, and, and this this particular client was dealing with far too much emotion after losing her husband yes. and needed to mourn and not try to figure all of this out. Now, guess what can or may happen if you don't plan? Things like the Comcast bills, they keep coming and and. And you don't know if they're on auto pay, what account they're being paid uh, from. The electricity need, bill, Yeah, if all you need to pay them, if, if, you know, if they're going to your spouse's office. And then something, and I'm thinking of another client where this happened. She lost her husband, and the cable got cut off. Now, yes. how emotional can that be? Let's think about that. You know, it, it would be to any one of us here in this room on any day to have the cable cut off. But imagine if you just lost a loved one. Any little thing like this could really set you off or make you feel like, I'm not going to be okay alone, or I'm going to have to figure out all this stuff on my own. A very vulnerable state. Yeah. I remember her calling and she was just in tears. It was very, it was a very emotional time. It represented so much more. It It did. You know, it was just, am I really going to be able to do this? And it just, and those little things become very big things. So Siobhan, I know we always talk about about this. Our goal with our clients and on today's show really is to share things that can be done now to help make the situation a million times easier when it happens. So we're going to go through some of those things. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC, and we're talking about the fire drill exercise that we do in our office to help prepare you if you were to lose a loved one. Now, part of this Retire While You Work mindset is being able to have people on your team now to help allow you to focus on other things and know what, and know that when something like this happens, you can mourn, you can be with your family and really focus on the spiritual end of things and not trying to pay bills. It's the last thing you need to be doing. Now, this this process or plan doesn't have to be some elaborate binder like we tried in the past, and I talked about a couple minutes ago. Even one piece of paper can be a better than nothing. In fact, it's probably more than likely 90% of what you need. You can do this in, I would argue, two hours. You could do it this week. I'm serious. You really can. Please do it. One to two hours Get a piece of paper and do some of these things we're about to talk about. And if you get nothing else out of today's show, please do this and email me at david.w.adams at raymondjames.com or go to retirewhileyouwork.com and send us a message on the Contact Us section. We want to hear your success stories. And if I had a free T-shirt or mug or something, I'd send it to you. But instead, you're going to get a very elated and excited email back from our team. Yeah, just that piece of paper writing down how the Comcast bill is being auto-paid, anything like that, can be really, really helpful when going through a transition like that. Absolutely, Siobhan. And next, so let's start with uh, things that you can things that you can do. So let's start with the uh, investment accounts. Now, let's say uh, John has an IRA at Raymond James with, let's say, $100,000 in it, and Susie has a trust account with $500,000 at Fidelity. Well, Fidelity, I don't know. Why is that not Raymond James? Okay, right. Yes. <laughs> and you know, and then include include details such as here's the one eight hundred number to call about this account. Here's the account number. The more details you know if you have them, the better the better your loved ones will be in a position to find out the account name, the balance, and things like that. Or now, list your financial planner's name. Exactly. Have that contact. Now we're gonna continue this right after the break. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio fifteen ten WLAC. And we're going to go over several more things that you can do to be prepared for this fire drill exercise. Back in a few minutes.
Hello and welcome back to Retire Where You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And right before the break, we were talking about doing a fire drill. And this is an exercise we've done with clients in our office. We've had them actually come over to my house and we'll do five to six couples at a time where we walk through these things on how you can get prepared in the event that you were to lose a loved one. And this can really help with that retire while you work mindset, just in the the comfort that it can provide by having a plan. And the first thing we talked about was um, your investment accounts and making sure that you have things like your statements, your financial advisor's number, the 1-800 numbers that your loved one could call, account numbers, et cetera. Um, You know, and ideally you're going to have a statement from each account and, you know, I'm going to give you the one-hour version because we we were talking about before the break that creating this big elaborate binder, while that would be great, could take you days and days. And that's overwhelming. And that's why most people don't end up doing these things. So if we can just do this one-hour version, one piece of paper, this is not only better than not doing anything, this is probably 90% of what uh, your loved ones and your family would need. So the more the better. Um Let's talk about another thing um, outside of investment accounts, your estate planning documents. This would be your wills, your trust, your power of attorneys. So that could be for, um, you know, for paying the bills, your power, your power of attorney for health care, um, your living will. And give copies of these to your loved ones. Um, very, very important. Your, your attorney may have a copy. You may give a copy to your loved ones and you may have a copy at the house somewhere. But make sure that that's not a uh, scavenger hunt Right. For your family, because we've seen that as well. Yes. And so what we've had a lot of clients uh, get us copies of their estate planning documents just so we can keep that um, for them. Absolutely. So you have a good financial advisor and you're in that situation and you trust him or her enough to do that. I would encourage you to do it and just provide your family with that uh, financial advisor's phone number. Wait, we have a phone number, Siobhan. What is that? We do. It's 615-435-3644. We'd be more than happy to help anybody with any of these topics that we're talking about today. Absolutely. This stuff's very, very important to us because we've seen it over and over. Another, okay, so investments, estate documents. What next? Let's talk about insurance. Same thing. More details, the better. For example, um, you have a $100,000 term policy for John for 20 years. And maybe you write down that we bought it around 2011. I think it expires in 2031. We bought it from Jane Doe over at State Farm. And I think the policy is, is in the safe. Now, I'm saying I think hopefully you know. Right. But even just some guidance is very, very important. Because the clients we've had that have had this sort of information, it saved so much time. Yes. So much time. And then maybe say, you know, it's in the safe. Go a little bit further. Pretend like you're talking to somebody that doesn't know you. The safe is in the closet. Maybe the code is 1234. Okay? You get what I'm saying. So investment accounts, estate documents, insurance documents, and then bank accounts. Think this way. We have two checking accounts and two savings accounts. We also have, let's say, a Christmas account for saving for presents and a travel account. Tell, tell your loved ones on this piece of paper, where are they? Are they at Bank of America? Are they online at an online bank? The approximate balance. People forget about accounts for years. And then often, oftentimes they're getting different statements or the statements go to an old address. And I've seen horror stories about this. Yes. In fact, Siobhan, we had one. It wasn't a horror story. It was actually kind of a funny story. And this was a client um, that every six months would call me and say, Hey, Dave, I think I found uh, another $50,000 CD I, I didn't know I remember this. Yes. And we would laugh and I'd say, you know, that must be nice. Now, this was all fun and games, A, because he was still alive. Thank goodness. It wasn't on his family. And B, it was money that was coming into him. It's a lot more fun when it's money coming to you that you didn't <laughs> know you have. 
But what if he passed away and never knew about this or the family could have used it for medical bills or saved someone's life or paid off a debt that was hindering them for years? What a shame to have not known about an investment account or a CD or something that was sitting out there. And this happens all the time. It does. Most people say not to, you know, this would never happen to me, but it does. We had a client come in earlier that found a bunch of uh, stock certificates hidden in a in a box after his uh, father had passed away. So you just never know. Yep, absolutely. Now, so other things, just other random things to include. I mean, we've seen clients that go as far to put their passwords and their login information and, you know, their social media information. So to be able to remove the accounts if somebody were to pass away, their email accounts, you know, your Gmail username, password, um, and, and basically just find a, you know, there, there are ways that you can find places to write this down and keep it private. I know a lot of people are worried about, well, if I write these things down and then what if I lose it or somebody finds it? And there's no perfect way to do it. But, you know, we had the FBI actually come on the show recently and they were talking about having it written down and stored in, in a safe and then maybe even like in a book somewhere. Like a little bookmark. It's like a bookmark that you know it's in some book and it's, um, you know, on page 330 and your loved ones know, but it's also in the safe. So several things like that. Again, no, you know, you can, you know, live in fear that somebody's going to find it. But again, having some sort of plan, um, you know, some put it on their on their computer and they lock the file. But then what if someone can't open it? So don't obsess over it. Just be smart. Give copies to your loved ones. Again, give copies to us, to your financial advisory team. We do this all the time. So you don't have to think about it. There are a lot of things you can do. And if nothing else, uh, just just tell the family if something happens to me, call this person. That could be us. That could be uh, your estate attorney, your CPA. A lot of times will be somebody's kind of money contact person. I've told my brother just to call you, David. If something was to happen to me, that's where he's got to go. Thanks, so thanks for the plug. <laughs> You're welcome. It's <laughs> but the remember, truth. The reason we talk about all this, the goal here is to enjoy life, to be a good steward of your resources, and to help others. And planning sh- certainly helps here. Uh, to be able to help others, you got to be able to to help yourself and know what your plan is and to not stress and detract yourself from happiness, especially over things like money. And we're good planning now, especially something you can do in two hours can really help you avoid it. So email us and I'll even send you a summary of this and an easy checklist um, and kind of a blog post that we have to remember. And you can find us at retirewhileyouwork.com or davidadamswealthgroup.com or give us a call. 615-435-3644. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Now, before we go to some of your questions throughout the week, I wanted to to throw in some of David's tips. I don't know if you'll find them any value, but I hope these are some things that will resonate with you and get your mind into the Retire While You Work state where you can grow internally, not just financially. So these are just some thoughts I put down over my journey over the past year and doing some self-care and reflection. So 2017 so far for me has been that, just that, a reflective year where I've been really focusing on thinking about life and the next chapter. And, you know, I'm not going to call it a midlife crisis because it's not a crisis. No, not it's, at all. Let's call it self-discovery, I'd- self-awareness. And I think everybody should take, take a time out and do that every once in a while. Absolutely. Not wait for the... Uh, stereotypical midlife crisis, if you will. But, okay, so if I get a little sappy at times or don't sound like the typical financial planner, that's okay, because I'm not. I don't want to be. I believe that money is just that. Money, um, it's just money. Um, But you bet your backside I'm going to help all of our clients and you, the listener, maximize your dollar and stretch it to impact as many people 
as you can. So here are a couple of random things I wanted to share. Start a gratitude journal. Try it for 21 days. They say 21 days of doing most things becomes a habit. I'm on day 10 myself, and it's really cool how it can change your mental and emotional state. It feels a little, at least to me, a little goofy at first and a little awkward and forced, but try it. Let me know how that goes. I think it's uh, definitely something that uh, starts to become a habit and you can start to really feel thankful and realize how many blessings you have in your life. And we live in an amazing part of the country where there are a lot of things to be thankful and feel blessed for. Absolutely. Yeah, far more than we need. Yes. So, absolutely. Um, and, and here's something, too. When, when you're in a position in a mental state where you can say the following, you're probably on the right track. And that's, I'm not looking for blessings to come into my life. I just want to bless someone else's life. And that's true motivation in a healthy mental state. So that's something I always try to come back to to stay grounded to make sure that I'm thinking that I'm thinking about others and trying to bless others. And be where your feet are. So that means be present and put the dang phone down. Gosh, if anybody watched the Oscars, the person who gave that wrong card was actually tweeting about how pretty Emma Stone looked. No. <laughs> That's a true story. I did not know that. Yes. That's hilarious. Yes. Well, not for Emma Stone, but for everybody else. <laughs> Absolutely. And me being in this, I just had shoulder surgery last week, and I'm in a uh, really uh, attractive-looking sling here. But I'll tell you, it's allowed me to do this more and to be present and to just slow down and be aware and appreciate things. So some small things I feel like you can do. Hope those help. We're about to go to break and then we're going to take some of your questions. You've been listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Back in a minute with your questions. Hello, and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm David Adams, and before the break, we were talking about doing a fire drill, and we went over several things that you can do to be prepared and help your family be prepared when losing a loved one. So if you have any questions about that, contact us at Retire While You Work, and we will be happy to get you um, a little exercise that you can do and walk you through that. Now, it's time for our most compelling questions of the week segment, and this is where we take questions from you, the listener, and actual client meetings and questions we get in our office every week. And the goal of answering these questions is hopefully that we add value and help further enable you to go into that retire while you work mindset. And we want to hear what's on your minds and not give you some cookie cutter answers, textbook answers, if you will. I want to give you straight up, plain talk, easy to understand answers so that you can go out and act on these things and better yourself. So send us your question at retirewhileyouwork.com. Click the contact button at the top of the screen and we will get your question next week if we can. So Siobhan, do we have any questions this week? We do. We've gotten some really good questions coming in and um, two of them are actually very similar. So I'm a, um, they're asking kind of the same question. One of them is in regards to what is the market going to do with Trump? Because he's such a wild card. No. It, uh, yeah. Big <laughs> surprise, right? And do you think that there's a big correction coming in 2017? The market is just on fire. There's no way it is going to stay up this high. It has got to come down, right? Okay, so yeah, we're getting this question probably five times a week. Absolutely. We're either getting euphoria, like it's this is this thing's off this to the, is the races, best thing forever, or it's got to, what goes up must come down. So, um, and I agree with that theory. What goes up must come down, of course. But um, I also can say yes, yes to do I think a market correction is coming? Now, I, be, I believe that a correction may come, but most likely um, it's one of those things that won't last 
that long. And here's what I mean by that. And I don't know when, of course, but keep in mind on the average year, the market moves 10 to 15% at some point. Many just forget about it or they don't remember because we always tend to have selective memory. We remember certain pain points when it comes to our money, but we don't think about all the times that it is down 15% or so in a year. There are tons of examples every year, even a year like last year where the market ended up very positive, but there were months like January of 2016 that were terrible and the worst start to a year, I think, in a long time, actually, if I recall. Um, Do we talk about it? No. And why is that? Because you could be happy right now with your statements um, or your last statement from this past month, more than likely, and you're not thinking about a year ago, January. So um, now also I'll say this, um, we get a lot of question about politics lately. And so again, I do think a correction's coming because that's normal every year. And with Trump, yes, he is a, he is a wild card. And a lot of the market this year is hinging on Trump doing tax reform and other big, uh, Huge. <laughs> Thanks, David. Huge things. I had to do that. Um, pun intended. So it could go slower um, and spook the markets out, in my opinion. So I think it's a. It could potentially be a good good time to buy. But if Trump isn't able to get through some of his big ticket items, like tax reform or health care, um, I believe the market's already priced in some of that six months ahead. We could see a pullback, and you know that ten to fifteen percent is a very reasonable pullback, which would be considered a correction. Um, but people just forget about that happening. And that doesn't mean that we're not still in the middle of a bull market. So that we could ah. hit a 10 or 15% drop and the market could still run up 30 or 40% over the next couple of years. So I always hesitate when answering that question. Um, now, God forbid, if there's um, you know something like a terrorist attack or something, those are things that could really spook the market in the short term. And I don't know what would happen in that event. Um, that's why we do good planning. That's why we have buckets. That's why we have cash on the sidelines. So that if, if that happens, you're not running to your retirement portfolios and liquidating them in a fire sale. Right. You, so you may not like it. It would You would feel the pain and the trench of it on the statements. Right. But if you have good planning, what you're saying is then you can kind of weather those storms. Right. So emotionally, yeah, to your point, you would see the statements. It's not going to be fun, but you would know that your plan is uh, has prepared you for that. And, you know, so I don't think if we have a correction, it's going to be a big one like 2008, because another thing is there's a lot of cash on the sidelines from investors who pulled their money out during 2008 and are kicking themselves for missing this bull market rally. Um, so, in my opinion, it would likely get propped up pretty fast. So I wouldn't worry too much about that, but it's a great question. Um, yeah. Thank you, Siobhan. That was a great one. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Retire While You Work, and we're answering your questions throughout the week. And remember that you can go to retirewhileyouwork.com or call us at 615-435-3644, and we'd love to answer what's on your mind. Siobhan, do we have another question? I'm yes, sure we do. we certainly do. This one actually came in through a client meeting. Uh, this particular client is in her late 30s, and she has about $10,000 left on her student loan. And she remembered she had an old $18,000 old brokerage account. And okay. so she was asking, do I pay off the loan and cash out her old $18,000 brokerage account or just continue slowly paying off the student loan? Okay, right. Yeah, this that, that's a good one. So $18,000 that's invested, and maybe she wants to keep that growing, which I certainly respect and just continue paying on the debt, or does she just wipe that out or take 10000 out, knock out the debt, and then continue investing again? You said she was early 30s? Late 30s, but Late yeah. Late 30s. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so so young. So we've actually had client, we had a client meeting like this very recently, and, and, and we told this other client to pay it off. And there's really, 
there's really no reason to, to take that argument about how much you can make in investments versus, let's say, a 5% loan. Uh, the money is in the account. You have it. You're paying interest on a debt. Just knock it out. I feel like it's too easy just to emotionally get rid of that uh, liability. And debt can weigh on you emotionally. So when it's this easy and this black and white, I'll always say pay it off. Now, we did have questions last week, Siobhan, that were more complex where it made sense to do a hybrid approach where we paid off maybe part of the house um, and didn't cash out all of the investments, right. but we did kind of a hybrid. Um, but in this situation, I'd say just be done with it. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think this one's pretty easy. Uh, like the one that we were talking about a week or so ago where we had to do some other hybrid financial planning, but this one seems pretty easy. You've got 18000 pay off the $10,000 Loan. And it's in a brokerage account, so it's not in a retirement account where you could potentially have taxes and penalty or severe penalties and taxes. Right. Um, so pretty clean cut. So go ahead and knock that de- uh, debt out and let us know that you did it. Send us an email, david.w.adams at raymondjames.com. We'd love to share in that success with you. Siobhan, is there another question? Yes, this one has to do with life insurance. There's so much confusion about this out there. And so I'm glad that this particular listener emailed us with a question. And the question is, how much life insurance do I need? And what is the difference between term, whole life, permanent? There's so much out there. And there's so many different insurance salespeople sell, um, that make high commissions and are selling different products. What, what do I need, and how okay. do I go about this? So life insurance. This, yeah, this is this is a good topic. And you're and and the the, the listener is right that there are a lot of uh, a lot of people selling insurance that may or may not. Uh, hopefully, most do uh, are looking out for your best interest and selling a product and leading with the product versus the planning and the emotions behind. You know, the, what family member is it, and what's going to be involved if we lose this loved one. So let's answer it that way. And here's the simple way to do this. If you're working and you have a family and you have a mortgage, you should have some sort of, in my opinion, a basic term life policy. So an example would be, okay, you're 35 years old, get a 30-year term policy. Let's say you own, or oh, I'm sorry, 300000 on a house. Maybe you have two kids. Um, and let's say in this example, your wife makes 50000 and you make um, 100000 I don't know. So I would suggest maybe 750000 to a million. And where did I get this? You always want to ha- have enough to pay off the debt. So pay off that house note and also go ahead and make sure that your spouse has at least four to five years worth of your income replacement um, because they're going to have to adjust to one income. So if you've been living on two incomes, your spouse is going to have to make a big adjustment. Maybe they're going to have to go back to school. Maybe they're going to have to get some additional training. Or um, hire a nanny to help take care of the kids. Absolutely. Pay for college. Maybe they want to go ahead and lump some fun college because before it was easier to save with two incomes. Right. So in that example, you know, 750000 to a million, if you're fairly healthy, and in this example, it's probably not very expensive. Um, so I would definitely, I'd definitely look at it that way. Another example, um, you're 45, the wife is the breadwinner, making $250,000, and the husband's a stay-at-home dad. You owe 600000 on the house. Bear with me here. Kids are 10 and 12 and have nothing saved for college. I'd suggest a 20-year term. That way you can make it till age 65, the average retirement age. Not on this show, right? You retire <laughs> while we work. You know what I'm saying. So maybe one to one and a half million on the wife because the husband needs to be able to pay off the house, have a, have a little extra money uh, for income replacement, pay for the kid's school, et cetera. So that is a uh, great question. Life insurance, I could talk all day. But unfortunately, we have to go to our next break. And fortunately, our next segment, we have a special guest, John Mabry, to talk about addiction and how that can play into helping the family, into your financial planning. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 
WLAC. Back in a few. Hello and welcome back to Retire Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams. And before the break, we were answering a few of our listeners' top questions. And we had a, a great list of questions from the past week. So please send us your questions. We love answering them, and you can send them to retirewhileyouwork.com or call us at 615-435-3644. Now, every week in this last segment of the show, we, we always want to discuss something that we hope can better help you get into that retire-while-you-work mindset, maybe take a little something off your plate or give you some helpful information so that you can enjoy life and make the most of your time. That is the goal of the show, and that's the passion and the motivation of why we do this each week. And today, we're going to talk about addiction recovery, and I'm here with John Mabry, who's a good friend of ours, to chat about this. Hello, John. Hey, David. Sean, good to be here with you guys. Thank yeah. you for having me. Glad you're here. Good good friend of ours. Now, you may ask yourself, how does this fit into the show? I'll tell you this. You know, we know that this is a problem that's growing, and we've personally, Siobhan and I have sat with several clients in meetings recently, actually very recently, dealing with this issue where their loved ones or kids, et cetera, are going through this. And it's absolutely something that can affect, uh, you know, your timing and the idea and the reality of retirement and what that looks like for you. So, you know, this can be a setback. It can also be an opportunity to help somebody in your family in need. So, John, glad you were here. Tell us first about addiction campuses and how you became involved. So, yeah, addiction campuses, uh, we are headquartered here in Nashville. Um, we operate four uh, of our own residential treatment facilities throughout the country. We've got one in uh, Massachusetts, one outside okay. uh, Murfreesboro here in the Nashville area, uh, one outside Memphis in South okay. Haven, Mississippi, and then one outside Dallas. And then we've got partner facilities throughout the country as well. And how I became involved, so let me give you um, about 17 years and about try to do it in 30, 45 <laughs> seconds. Uh, take your time. This is, uh, this is important. I was in, involved in a car accident uh, as a senior in college in Texas. Uh, just a, a freak tire blowout. We rolled 10 times across, oh my goodness. Uh, Gosh. across the interstate outside of Houston. Um, it killed a friend of mine mm. and um, led to 14 surgeries on my legs that year. And so um, oh I was introduced to painkillers, you know, at that point in time, just uh, as a you know, necessity to out of survival. Right. And um, opted to amputate my leg below the knee. Uh, after it was in March 11th, almost almost 16 years ago. After 14 surgeries. Yep. Wow. And so my whole goal was to uh, show everybody that I was okay. It was about putting a front on, let me go accomplish what I can accomplish. And I, I walked the stage to get my undergraduate diploma in communications from Baylor University six weeks after my amputation. And uh, you walked that, across the stage six weeks after amputation. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. And uh, didn't slow down from there. I traveled the world, um, ended up moving out to San Diego to work on a master's in counseling. I said, what better way to um, take this tragedy than to go help other people? Because uh, well, in our society, it's, it's, you, have to, I mean, you have to look okay. You have to look strong. Yep, yep. And, and that's exactly what I set out to do is to look good. Um, and started doing some triathlons out there in San Diego. Right. And um, got to the end of this master's program, and I didn't once look at myself. I was projecting onto other people of how I could help them and what their problems were, but I never once looked at myself, and I knew this in, in my heart. And so I could not go into the field and try to help somebody else when I couldn't help myself. And just so happened, I stumbled into some acting work in Los Angeles, and so I ended up um, moving up to L.A. and acting uh, professionally. I've been Screen Actors Guild for 12 or 13 years, 
I worked on projects like uh, NCIS and Cold Case and ER. That's uh, so amazing. Been in the movie Superbad and uh, another uh, you know number of other projects. I was lucky to be a part of, but at the same time um, was was completely running from myself the entire time and uh, kept getting deeper into um, uh, prescription painkiller addiction right. and 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 Adderall, and um, so uh, with alcohol on top of that, and so Got you it. would think. Um, so I ended up uh, finding uh, my brother dead from a cocaine overdose wow. in his home in Beverly Hills. And that's when the wheels you know, really started to come off. We moved here uh, to get out of California, raise a family. Um, I struggled to hold down jobs. And finally, just at my wit's end, um, got fired by Dave Ramsey, as a matter of fact, <laughs> because of my addiction. And oh, uh, picked up the phone, called my wife and said, I just got fired and I need help. And so... Um, it has been a long road since that that uh, time in 2011. I've actually uh, been in treatment, uh, inpatient treatment four times, outpatient treatment three times. Um, we have spent a lot of time and a lot of money focusing on this um, road to recovery, and it is not a linear road that people travel. Um, I've learned from experience that it, there's ups and downs, and there's dips and uh, you know there's peaks and valleys that somebody might have in recovery from alcohol, substance abuse, yeah. or mental health issues. Right, and so. Um, I went through Addiction Campus's facility <clears throat> and saw that they ran things differently than I paid four times as much out in Arizona at a high end celebrity type treatment place. And I got uh, better care and more personalized individual help uh, through Addiction Campus's facility that went to the Dallas one. Okay. And, um, and I found out that they were based here in Nashville area. And I walked in with a resume. I was a month sober and walked in with a resume and said, I want to work for you guys. You guys do things differently, don't you? And they said, absolutely. We hold ourselves to the highest integrity in the industry. There are 11,000 treatment options that people have around the country for help, inpatient, outpatient. I mean, how does somebody even begin to decide. Exactly. It is such a, a cluster out there of where to go. There's different motivations for people, just like just like there's different financial advisors, different quality doctors, financial advisors that you want to, you know, align yourself with. And so I've aligned my, been able to align myself with some some pretty big projects in the past that uh, people have seen globally. Um, and what I love about addiction campuses is uh, we do have a nationwide reach, but a hometown feel at each of our campuses. And um, what a blessing that you were able to go to that facility and then walk in with a resume, and then now you work for them. Man, I'm so glad I relapsed, as hard as that is to say for uh, for my wife and, and my kids and, and, the, and the suffering that my family has gone through for that. It was a huge blessing, and it's, it led me to a place where now I, I get to give talks around the community at you know different universities around campus and share my story. And, and one of the things I try to tell people is just to be honest. You know, nobody wants to talk about this stuff. Everybody wants to look good on, you know, the, the front on social media. Everybody wants to look like they have it all together. It's okay to not have it all together. And, um, and, and, and I've learned that from, you know, the experience of my brother dying, that you got to talk about it. Thanks so much for sharing. I'm, I'm speechless over here because it's, I mean, what a blessing to have someone like you in the community that is willing to be vulnerable and open up and share that because you're going to connect with so many people that aren't able to freely speak about that. And so, I mean, I'm sitting here with chills. So that's, um, it's great to have people like you doing that. It really is. Thanks for sharing that. Can you, John, can you tell us how big of a problem is addiction in the U.S.? And 
and specifically maybe in the Middle Tennessee area. I've heard it's a huge problem, for example, just with teenagers here and outside in Williamson County, just as Absolutely. an example. Absolutely. You know, um, in communities across the country, the big the big epidemic right now is heroin that we're seeing. Um, and what happens real quickly is somebody gets uh, painkillers from an injury or surgery or from a family member or friend, and they take it for an obvious uh, physical or emotional um, mishap or recreationally. And then what happens is they get addicted to them accidentally. Nobody sets out to become an addict, but something in their brain changes. It's a disease of the brain. It's not a moral failing like I always thought it was. And I looked at my brothers like, dude, why don't you pull yourself together, dude? And then once I saw it from my side, I was like, dude, it's not just about pulling yourself together. There's something that changes in the brain that needs to be addressed. If somebody has cancer, they need treatment. If somebody has diabetes, it's a disease. They need need treatment, medications, and things like that. Somebody has... um, Heart disease, there are treatments for that. If somebody has addiction, it's a disease of the brain that needs to have you know treatment, medications, it needs to have some professional help around it. And so um, what we're seeing is, yeah, kids, um, younger and younger, getting, getting hooked. Um, and a lot of the times they're getting medicines from their parents. They're getting medicines from their grandparents, from their aunt and uncle's house. So one thing we try to teach and promote is if you do have um, addictive medications, that lock can either, them up, right? yeah, lock them up, you know, and that can be uh, mental health related. So that can be like a clonopin or something for anxiety like this that can be addictive, um, or it can be the you know a painkiller um, or Adderall for for ADHD. But lock up what you can away from the kids to keep them from getting them because they're that's where they're getting them from a lot of times. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. You know, it seems like. You know, obviously, addictions can really impact the addict and the addict's family, not only emotionally, but I would assume financially as well. How much does does treatment or rehab usually cost? Um, so, just like you know, there's just like any type of healthcare, there's different levels of healthcare, um, and treatment can run the gamut from anywhere from a free state funded uh, to you know very expensive and upwards of sixty thousand dollars a month. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Did you say sixty thousand a month? Yes, <laughs> yes. that can be one some of, those of the elite. More, That's like one elite of the celebrity. Ba- I mean, some exactly, of the- exactly. <clears throat> and so uh, the big the big key here is insurance. If somebody has insurance, we want to take a look at what their insurance could cover. Okay, um, insurance covered like half of my stay at addiction campuses facility um, when I went, which was huge. And I, there was somebody there that they paid, they told me they paid two hundred fifty dollars for a month of high quality highest integrity treatment that you're going to see in the country. Okay. And so our, our whole deal is, is to give us a call and let us take a look at what resources you have and um, and go from there. So it could be I mean, huge financially or it could be act very manageable depending on your insurance, what, what facility you go to. So do the research on the front end is what I'm hearing you say. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And that's what's great is our call center. We take 8,000 calls a month into our call center. And so we don't just place people in our facilities, but we place people in facilities all throughout the country depending on their needs. So if, if we don't take their insurance, we'll look for another facility that does take their insurance and help help get them there. Gotcha. What, what would you say is the biggest hurdle for someone to kick addiction? I mean, if there's even one that sticks out. Uh, one would be the financial piece, the fin- which okay. I know you guys can help. Unfortunately, we're almost out of time. That was, so I mean, I'm still getting over your story. I appreciate you sharing that, and, and we'll have to have you back on the show soon. How can our listeners get a hold of you if they have questions and want to talk in confidence with somebody? So, yeah, please give a, give our treatment specialists a call. We have folks that are, that are in recovery themselves. Um, we take calls 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 888 512 3321 addictioncampuses.com 888-512-3321 thank you so much john and thank you for listening and tuning in as always this is retire while you work on news radio 1510 wlac if you need to reach us during the week 615-435-3644 or go to retirewhileyouwork.com or come by and see us 
at our office in the historic 12 South neighborhood. We'd love to meet you. I'm David Adams. Remember that life is short and there are many, many more important things to worry about than money. And we certainly hope this show helps. Take care until next week.